you, Jesus, for being so good to us. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4, all over wherever you are. Take your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. While you're finding that, let me tell you something. Next Sunday is Easter, so when we celebrate Easter. And we are going to celebrate here because we have much to celebrate and give thanks for. So what we're going to do, we're going to have a drive-in Easter bash here. 11 o'clock, one service next Sunday, 11 o'clock. It's going to be in the south parking lot. We can accommodate about a thousand cars back there. So I want you to come on, come on, get early. The deputies will be there to help you get parked. We'll be up on a big perch and you can tune in. You can hear it through your car radio. We'll tell you where to tune in to. We'll get a note out this week about this. And we are going to have the best time celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and his kindness next week. Now, if you're one of them rednecks who drives on them jacked up four-wheel drive trucks, I need for you to park in the grass lot, move toward the grass lot on the west side of that parking lot. So if you got one of them trucks like I do, park over on the west side so the little cars can see over top of the other little cars. And if you're really brave... Why don't you just take that four-wheel drive and try to climb Lamb's Mountain out there and just park on the very top of it up there and you'll have a bird's eye view and we will have the best time watching you roll back down the hill. We're going to have a great time next time. I'm looking so forward to it. We're just going to celebrate and shout and holler Jesus and we might be out there. And what if Jesus comes back right in the middle of the service and we'll just leave all them cars empty, going to glory, have a great time and celebrate. We're looking forward to it. Next Sunday, 11 o'clock, be here with us. All right, y'all got Mark chapter 4 all over the auditorium. Everybody got Mark chapter 4. All righty. We're going to have a great time today. We're going to talk about freedom today. We are going to talk about freedom. I believe we're going to get some help today. And we're going to talk about freedom from fear because fear is becoming a tremendous problem in this nation, not just with this current little corona bug thing, but fear is becoming a tremendous problem in the nation as the Bible said it would. Scripture is very clear that as we move toward the second coming of Jesus, which we're looking very much forward to, the second coming of Jesus, that terror would be a problem in the earth and that fear would be a problem. Matter of fact, Luke 22 says this, as we move closer to the second coming of Jesus, the day such... The Bible said men's hearts will be failing them for the fear of things coming on the earth. And there is a spirit of fear that is gripping the earth, manifesting through different things. But fear has become a tremendous problem. I want to make an announcement before we even look at the scripture. Your heavenly father does not do fear. And he does not want you living in fear at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear. He wants you to be completely free from fear. Now I want you to turn on your faith this morning. Turn off the Facebook, turn off the news, turn on your faith. Let's look in God's word and let's get help this morning as we look at freedom from fear and his grace toward us. The Bible said, and I'm not, let me just, let me, uh, let me tell you why we need to be set free from this. It should be so obvious that our father has a place of freedom from fear when he said this, fear hath torment. Let me quote the whole verse. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, when the Bible said casts out, that ought to tell you something about where fear comes from. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He who fears has not been perfected in love yet. Now, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing people tormented by fear of the future, financial, but what's going to happen to their kids. Uh, and we've got a tormenting fear in the earth right now. Listen to what the Bible said. Perfect love casts out fear. And we want to live in a place of perfect love where we are free from fear. Could just, for, just do this for a second. Could you imagine a life with no fear? Imagine if you had no fear of the future, 
no fear financially. What if you had no fear of uh, what anybody thought? Think about this. What if you had no fear of failure? What if you never feared failing? Do you have any idea what the fear of failure has cost us that we don't even try because we're afraid it might not work out? Listen, fear was born in hell. It's being ministered by hell. And heaven wants to shut fear down in our lives so we can live free from it. Now, we're going to look at a passage in Scripture. And the Bible has so much to say about this. Matter of fact, over 300 times in Scripture, the Bible tells you and I, fear not. Guess what the will of God is concerning fear in our lives if he said fear not. You ever told your kid something twice? How about 300 times? If the father says, fear not, 300 times, there's got to be a message in there somewhere. And in this little passage that we're very familiar with, you're going to find some of the simplest but most powerful keys to, listen, this has got to work in day-to-day -day life. If, if we shout it on Sunday, it's got to work on Monday. This has got to work in our day-to-day -day lives. And these are the little practical keys that the scripture gives us to live free from fear. Mark chapter 4. Beginning in verse 35, Jesus speaks to his disciples, his followers. Verse 35, on the same day when evening came, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And he's speaking about the other side of a large lake. When they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great storm arose and the waves beat into the boat. So it was already filling. So they got caught off guard. They're in, they're in this large, large lake and all of a sudden a storm comes down on them. And the Bible said, verse 38, Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Stern's the back of the boat. He was asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are dying? Do you not care what's going on in our lives? We're here dying. So Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. That, to rebuke means to speak sternly. He spoke sternly to the storm and to the wind and he said to the sea, uh, peace. I've heard ministers say, he said, peace, be still. Jesus don't talk like that. He, he, he rebuked it. He said, peace, you be still. He spoke sharply to the storm and the Bible said the wind ceased. And all of a sudden that lake became like glass. There was a great calm. And then he said to them, why were you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? He's not fussing, he's giving them the key right there. He said, why are you so afraid? And then, <laughs> this is hilarious. Then they feared exceedingly like they did before. And they said to one another, who is this man we have gotten involved with that he talks to the weather and it listens to him? Who can this be that the weather listens to him? Well, <laughs> we need to talk about who this is that the weather listens to him. All right, from scripture, we're gonna talk a little bit about freedom uh, from fear. All right, number one, several truths in this scripture. Number one, Following Jesus is not a storm-free life. Can I get a witness anywhere in the auditorium? Following Jesus is not a storm-free life. Many people are supposed that if, if Jesus is my master and my savior, everything will be great. I want to ask you a question. Did they not get into this storm by following Jesus? They were doing exactly what he told them to do. Listen, following Jesus is not a storm-free life. You've you got to get over this stuff. It's not a life of comfort and ease. Following Jesus is not a life free from storms. Following Jesus is a life of having a blast in the middle of the storm. Okay, I almost got an amen out of everybody in church here. All six, we got an amen out of them. We've got to get over this. We've got to quit looking for this storm-free existence. It just doesn't, show it to me. It's not in scripture. As a matter of fact, following Jesus will get you in more storms. I didn't think I'd get an amen out of that. However, I would rather experience God in the middle of a mess 
than to drive my own bicycle without him and try to find a comfortable place. All right, you got it? Following Jesus is not storm free. That's my way of telling you, just ramp up, doc. They're on the way. If you're planning on living this planet till Jesus gets back, just get ready. They're coming. But on top of that, <clears throat> number two, the storms of life tend to have three effects on us. And I find what happened to them has the same effect on people. It doesn't care whether it's a medical storm, financial crisis. But listen, people going through such crisis with their children today. But I want you to look at the three things that happened to them when this, this unexpected thing busted in on them as it does on us. Number one, tormenting fear. They were just tormented by this fear. They were terrorized by it. And, and the stuff that goes on around us just brings a paralyzing fear in, in our lives. Number two, I want you to look at the second thing this thing did in their lives. They began to doubt that God cared about them. They screamed at Jesus. They said, do you not care? Dear ones, when things don't go the way we plan on them, one of the first things that gets into our little thinker is, if God cared about me, why is this happening? If, where is God when my kids are in this mess? Where is God when I lose my job? Where, where is God when I pray and, and I'm not getting an answer? We begin to doubt that God really cares about us. Well, guess where that's from? And then the third thing that happens, <laughs> we begin to expect the worst. What'd they say? Do you not care that we are going to die? They didn't say, God will get us through this mess. They didn't say, don't worry about it, boys. Everything's going to be all right. They were saying with their lips, it, the worst thing that can happen is going to happen. And we begin to expect the worst thing to happen. We begin to look toward the, the worst. Listen, the kingdom of hell is always expecting the worst. The kingdom of heaven is always looking up. But those three things tend to happen when craziness hits our lives. We, we just, we're, we're, we're terrified. We wonder where God is and we start expecting bad things to happen just like they did. I see this stuff happen all over in people's lives. Now I want to ask you a question. Those three things, terror, doubting that God even cares and expecting the worst. Does that sound like an abundant life to you? Let's settle this thing. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life storm free. Is that what he said? He did not say storm free. He said they might have life more abundantly. So apparently you can have an abundant life with the storm. If you're going to have an abundant life, it's going to have to be in a storm. If to you, abundant life is no storm, move to Mars, Doc. You're on the wrong planet. That's not going to work. You're going to have to learn how to have an abundant life with the storm still raging. That's good preaching right there. All right, but it's the truth from Scripture. Number three, uh, this is going to be, uh, your intellect may revolt against what I'm fixing to say. You hang with me. Let me show you from Scripture. Number three, what, what, here's the whole message of this passage right here. You don't ever have to live in fear, ever. You don't have to live in fear. People say, Brother Brian, you can't help but silence. Silence, old wise one. You do not have to be afraid. You don't ever have to live in fear. That's the whole purpose of this passage. I want to ask you a simple question. Can you, can you not tell from this passage? Can you not, if you're, even if you're not a Bible scholar, can you not see that it was not the will of God for them to be afraid? Why would he say, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? If somebody tells me something over 300 times, guess what their will is? If God said over 300 times, fear not, guess what his will for my life is? There is a place of freedom from fear. You don't have to be afraid. You say, I don't know, I don't know how. Don't worry about that. Just believe God to start with. Just believe what he says to start with, that there is a place, absolute freedom from fear. Just believe him to start with. Number four, 
Very simply put, let's, let's read this verse again. Jesus said in verse 40, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? All right, that tells me freedom from faith has got to come, free, excuse me, freedom from fear has got to come through faith in God. That tells me that my freedom from fear has got to come by my growing faith in God. And faith in the Father and in what he says is the only thing that sets me free from fear. Now listen to me carefully. There's two great forces in the earth. Two great forces move everything in the earth. One is faith and the other is fear. I'm going to put it so simple a child can understand it. Faith is when you believe what God said will come to pass. Faith is expecting what God said in his word to come to pass. Fear is when you believe that what Satan promised will come to pass. It's expecting the enemy's lie to come to pass. And uh, dear ones, let me tell you something about fear. Fear is the power that drives hell. Just like faith is the power that releases the goodness of God in our lives. Fear is what releases the power of hell in our lives. And uh, I'm convinced from scripture that for the enemy of our souls, who we better start taking seriously, we better quit acting like he doesn't exist because he's eating our lunch in this land. The way he brings his hell into our lives is to get us to fear it first. First, let me show you that in scripture. Turn with me to the book of Job. If you'll find the book of Psalms, right in front of the book of Psalms is a book called Job. I want you to turn with me to Job chapter three. And in Job chapter three, you find one of the great revelations of scripture. Of course, you can see this through scripture, but this, is just, this just nails it down for us. I'm gonna say it again. The way we release the power of hell in our lives is to be afraid of it. Is to, is to embrace fear. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with feeling fear. Everybody feels fear. When Jesus said, fear not, he didn't mean don't feel it. He said, don't embrace it and don't act on it and don't receive it. Listen, you can push back. You can tell fear to go back where it came from. I want you to look at me in Job chapter three. Job chapter three, verse 24, the Bible says this. The thing that I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. How does tragedy and aggravation and mess come upon you? First, you have to fear it. The way we release darkness into our lives is to be afraid of it. And the thing that I dreaded will happen to me. That's why we need to quit fearing things so they won't happen in our lives. I've heard people actually, I mean Christians, I've heard Christians say this, I'm just scared to death my kids are gonna get on drugs. Guess what's happening in your life? Keep, keep being afraid of it. No, no, stop being afraid of it. it. It releases the power inside of there. So you and I have got to understand that there are two great forces working in the earth. And dear, listen, life is always a battle between fear and faith. It, it's always a war between fear and faith. And this war is going to rage until Jesus gets back. And listen, you can win this battle one day. You've got to get up the next day and jump right back into it. There's, listen, why does the Bible say this? Fight the good fight of faith. Because there's a fight. Well, guess what? You're not fighting a Methodist. That's what you're fighting. You fight fear with faith. And there's always a battle that rages between fear and faith constantly. And uh, let, me make an, let me put this in simple language here. Fear will destroy faith. That, that's where the disciples were. They were living in fear. But I want to point something out. Else out from the scripture. Faith will destroy fear. Faith will destroy fear. All right, and let me point out something to you in scripture. Jesus and the disciples were in the same predicament, in the same boat. These boys over here are terrified 
thinking they're going to die, Jesus is asleep. They're in the same circumstance, but look how they handled it differently. You said, well, he was Jesus. He was living the same way you and I are supposed to live. He heard the word of his father and he held on to it. So dear ones, it's not about the storm around you. It's about the faith or the fear inside of you. It's what's going on on the inside. And you got two guys in the same predicament, in the same both. One of them is asleep. He doesn't have a care in the world. The other one's screaming bloody murder, fixing to die. Fear will destroy faith or your faith can destroy your fear. My dear friend, Dr. J.L. Williams wrote a tremendous book one time called Faithing Down Your Fears. Faithing Down Your Fears. That's exactly what scripture teaches you and I. That's what the heart of this passage is that we have to learn to do that. Same situation like that. All right, let's look at the source here. What is the source of all fear? Where's all fear come from? Where's, where's fear come from? Now, I know ultimately the scripture talks, it says this, God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. We have got to start believing that fear has the demonic in it. Yes. If the Bible says that it's, that it's a spirit of fear, we've got to start believing what he says. But actually the source of all fear comes from focusing on and feeding on the storm around us. That's where it comes from. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 14. Here's another great passage. Isn't it amazing how many storms are in the Bible? Wonder why Jesus has always got people in storms. Surely that should say something to us. Matthew 14, we're in another boat, we're in another storm. And you say, well, praise God, Brother Brian, I'm, I'm coming out of the storm. Well, buckle up, you'll be in another one tomorrow. Everybody I know is in one of three places in life. They're either coming out of a storm smack dab in the middle of one or headed for the next one. So we might as well learn how to do this since life is a storm till Jesus gets back. Matthew chapter 14. I love this passage. I want you to see one thing in this passage. Jesus in Mark, uh, 14, Matthew 14, 22. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. I wonder why he kept putting them in boats that got in storms. I have decided to follow Jesus. Well, get in a boat and let's go find a storm somewhere and go before him to the other side. He went to send the multitude away. He's praying. Verse 24, the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Can I ask you a question? You think Jesus didn't know a storm was coming? You think he got caught off guard? That's not the issue. You obey God. I don't care what the storms are going to do. But they're in a, another storm here. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus goes to them walking on the sea. The disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled saying that it is a ghost. They cried out for fear. A lot of times your answer will scare you to death sometimes too. Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, I love this right here. I love this right here. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know what he said? Be of cheer. I am here, dear. He told them to relax. He said, I'm here. But can I point something out to you? Did he stop the storm first? He told them, you get to cheering and quit fearing before I stop the storm. You can cheer and not have fear in the storm. And the reason is I am here. Be of cheer, no fear, because I am here is what he told him. I've quoted this verse many a time. All right, all right, watch this. You've heard this before. Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if that's really you, <laughs> it's okay to have a little bit of doubt as long as you head in the right direction. If that's really you, let me come to you. Command me to come to you walking on the water. Verse 29 is what did Jesus say? Come, come on. All right, there's the word of God. Peter came down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many of you think he really walked on water? All over the auditorium. Yes. All right, he's walking. Let me tell you, don't you try it because he didn't tell you to do it. But he had a word from God and he began to walk on that water. And uh, let me just ask you this question. You think that was fun? 
that had to have been a blast. I mean, one minute they're paralyzed with fear. Jesus settles them down. Simon said, I want to do that too. He said, well, come on, big boy. I probably didn't say it just like that. He said, come on out here. So Simon's walking on the water and, and I listen to this. Is the power of God holding him up? This is easy. Is the power of God holding him up? Had to be. Had to be. Watch this right here. And the Bible said this, verse 30, when he focused on the storm or saw the wind was boisterous, he was, what? Fear got on him and he began to sink. You think God changed his mind right then? No, sir. The word of God was still effective right then. But the minute he got his attention off of God and his truth and he began to what? It says he saw the mess around him. The moment you begin to focus on the storm around you, it's going to kill the faith on the inside of you. And dear ones, the, the, the word of God was still there. He could still be walking on that water to this day. He could have stayed up there. God didn't want him to sink. God didn't retract his promise. The power was still there. But if you dwell on the problem, it will destroy your faith. And because he, he was doing fine as long as he was focused on Jesus. Now listen to me, listen to me. You don't deny the storm. He knew it was there, but there's a big difference in saying, yeah, we got a problem and just eating that problem day and night. Big difference in being in a mess and having a struggle and having a battle and just focusing on it. And he got his eyes off Jesus. He got on that storm. And the moment he focused on that storm, the power of God was cut off in his life. Because dear ones, our heavenly father honors faith. And fear will destroy your faith, just like it did right there. I'm going to look back at Mark chapter 4 now. It, fear will destroy your faith. And uh, that's what happened to me. But what's the source of all faith? Let's go back to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to show you something. If, if that's where fear comes from, where does faith come from? Now, people have said, well, I, I don't have the faith that you do. What's the answer? What's the answer? Go get it. If you don't have groceries, go get you some. If you don't have gas, go get you some. If you don't have faith, go get you some. This is not hard. Why do we make this so complicated? If, if you lack faith, go get it. All right, here's where it comes from. Now, the first point I wanted to make was that the source of all fear is focusing on the storm, but the source of all faith is focusing and feeding on God's promise, His truth, His word. So look at me in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when it was evening had come, Jesus said, to them, let us cross over to the other side. Did Jesus say, let us go halfway and die? No, he said, we're going all the way through the other side. By dark, we'll be sitting on the other side. Let me tell you why he did that. Because he said, I do nothing except what I see my father doing. And his father had told him, you're going to be on the other side of that lake by dark. And he heard the word of God that this is where we're going. And in that storm, instead of being like the boys and focusing on the hell around him, he stayed focused on the word that his father had given him in the middle of that thing. And he said, y'all think we're dying? I know the storm's bad. You said we're dying. My father said, we are going to the other side. We have got to get there somehow, over, under, or through, but we're going to be on the other side of this lake by dark because God's word cannot be broken. Listen, the storm is louder than God's word. God's word is eternal. The storm is temporary. We have got to, the whole, everything boils down to what do you believe about the voice of God? What do you believe about the word of God? What do you believe about it holding up in the middle of a storm? So the source of our faith is always his word. Now, number six, it's your choice. 
can you see in that passage we read in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? Can't you see in there that he was giving them a choice? They had a choice. Listen to me, dear ones. You've always got a choice. You can always choose fear or faith. Always got a choice. All right, here's your two choices. I'm going to give them to you. Number one, if you want to live in fear, if you want to live your life in fear, kicked around by every storm that comes, I want you to do two things. Number one, I want you to feed on the storms, on the problems around you. This mess going on in our land with coronavirus right now, the economy, your personal problems, just feed on them. I mean, listen, read about them, think about them, talk about them, dwell on them, just feed on the crap going on around you. And number two, if you want to live in fear, number two, ignore God's word. Don't waste time in God's word. Don't listen to what he's got to say. You feed on the garbage around you and you'll have no trouble living in fear all the time. However, should you choose option B and you decide that you want to, you want to live in faith and you want, to be, you want to be free from fear, do two things. Number one, feed on God's promises. Read them, think about them, dwell on them, chew on them, talk about them. My son, attend unto the news. My son, attend unto my word. Keep them ever before your eyes. Put them in the midst of your heart. Just chew on God's promises. Chew on them. Think about them. Dwell on them. Speak them. Listen, we don't deny the storms. I'm just saying that God is bigger than the storms on this land. You just got to decide. And number two, do this. Feed on God's word. Number two, ignore the storms. Don't deny them. But I'm going to tell you, so I'm going to give you permission from heaven right here. You don't have to dwell on the storm and focus on it and chew on it. You can ignore it. Say, fine, fine. One of the craziest stories I've heard, one of the most entertaining stories, a man named Martin Luther who led us through the Reformation back in the 1500s. He was being tracked down. The Catholic Church trying to kill him. The devil's trying to kill him. Everybody's after him. He's running. He's hiding in castles everywhere. And he said, I woke up in the night, in the night one night and there was such a hellish presence in my room. And I've, heard, I've, woke, I've been awakened in the night to the demonic in the room. He woke up and he said, at the foot of my bed was not a demon spirit. It was Satan himself. Because at that time, Martin Luther was the point man for God in the earth to bring the earth out of the dark ages. And there was Satan himself at the foot of his bed. He said that, he said that you could smell the sulfur in the room, said it was just hellish in the room. He said, I took one look at him and I said, I got a busy day tomorrow and I need my rest. I rolled over and pulled the covers back over my head and went back to sleep. That's called peace. That's where perfect love has cast out all fear. Let me tell you something. You could do the same thing. You can do that. So we, we all have a choice. Everybody's got a choice. Everybody's got a choice about what they do. All right, I want you to turn me to Romans chapter 10. Let's see where this comes from. Romans chapter 10. This needs to be one of the foundational verses of your life. You need to memorize it. You need to hold on to it. Because as Jesus said in Mark 4, you can't get any parable till you get this parable. So there are some foundational parables or truths we've got to get. You can't have faith in God's word anywhere till you get this verse down, Pat. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and it says this. Faith comes. Dear ones, faith cometh. And if you need some, go get you some. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can you see in that first verse that our faith level rises and falls? And one, one day you can be, as Simon was, you can be walking on water by faith in God's promise. I mean, I mean just walking on water and looking back over your shoulder saying, don't y'all wish I was out here? You can basically be walking above the storms and the next minute you can be under the storm. 
So his faith cameth, but then his faith winneth. The Bible tells you and I, faith comes, or let's put it this way, faith is fed by the word of God. That's why you need to constantly, you have to have a constant flow. You can have the greatest faith in the world on Sunday and be sucking eggs on Monday. You say, well, why, why can't I get a permanent faith? It don't work like that. He has so designed life that we need him every hour that we have to feed on his word and cleave to him. That's what all that daily bread was with the children of Israel years ago. And listen, it is a battle, but it's a winnable battle. All right, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go back to Mark chapter four. I wanna ask you a couple of questions we've done here. I pray this don't offend you, but if it does, I pray it offends you to action. All right. The foolishness of fear. You know how foolish fear is? You say, well, are you making fun? I'm not making fun. I'm just telling you fear is foolish. Let me tell you why fear is foolish back in Mark chapter four. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. In Mark chapter 4, they were terrified. They thought God had abandoned them. They didn't think he cared. They said they were going to die. Can I ask you a personal question? Were they ever in any danger whatsoever? Not one lick. You know what a lick is. <laughs> not a bit. They were in no danger whatsoever. They could not have died. God Almighty who spoke and said, let there be light said, we will be on that shore by dark. We're going to the other side. They couldn't have died. They were in no danger whatsoever. See how foolish fear is. It was just foolish for them to be afraid if God was going to carry them through the situation. All right, let's, uh, let's go back to Mark chapter 4. I want to point something out to you here. In Mark chapter 4, when they're going through this mess, and there was, I'm not making fun of them. Let's make application to what happened to me last week. Let's talk about our lives in this coming week. Let's learn from God. Listen, God's word is not a history book. It's a book to live by. And let's take this thing and make application of what's going on in our lives. Some of you, are, are you you've lost your jobs. Uh, they're, they're just, we're just, right now, fear is knocking on the door. Let's learn how to handle this stuff. All right, in Mark chapter 4, they're in a situation here. And the Bible said in verse 38, eight, the latter part of verse 38, they said, we're, we're going to die. That's it. Bad things are going to happen. That's what they said. All right, they, it, listen to me. Listen carefully. Did it look like bad things were going to happen? Their circumstances were screaming bad things. I want you to look at something with me. Look with me in chapter 5 of Mark, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea. I thought they was going to die. I thought, they was, I thought that storm was going to kill them. All right, but chapter 5, verse 1 says they were wrong. They didn't die. Guess what happened to them? Exactly what God said would happen to them in verse 35 of Mark 4. In Mark 4, 35, he said, we're going to the other side. An unexpected storm hit their lives and they said, we're going to die. But after all that unnecessary fear in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, there they are standing on the other side of the lake, right where God said they'd be. That's why fear is so foolish to let it dictate our lives because it is not going to come to pass if his word is true. <clears throat> I want to ask you, ask you some questions here. On that day, on that lake, what was their real problem? Was it the storm? Was it the impending death? What was their problem? Fear. Their problem was not the storm. Their problem was the fear of the storm that racked them. All right. Many of you know, we're going through, we're going through a little economic crisis in our land right now. I have a feeling we've got a greater economic crisis coming in the days ahead. There's not much doubt about that. That's not unbelief. That's called reading what's going on right there. But this is not near near the depth of the problem that took place in our nation in 1929 on through the 30s. If anybody remember, well, you don't, I know why you don't remember, but you weren't there. 
it was called the Great Depression. And this, well, Phil was there. It's called the Great Depression. <laughs> it's when our nation bottomed out. Now, dear, what, listen, what we're having today is a mosquito bite compared to what happened back then. Uh, back then, there was no work to be had. There was no safety net. There was no unemployment insurance. There was, there was nothing. And people were starving back then. It was one of the most difficult times in our nation's history. In the election of 1932, Franklin Roosevelt crushed Herbert Hoover in the election for president. He was inaugurated in 1933, and he was tasked, FDR was tasked with the uh, assignment of bringing our nation out of the Great Depression. And people were terrified. They, they were losing everything. Uh, the, the stock market had completely collapsed, and we were going through a difficult time as a nation. All right, Franklin Roosevelt was inaugurated uh, in March of 33. This is the last, now we do it in January. Back then it was in March. He was inaugurated and he gave one of the greatest speeches in world history that day when he stood up and he said this, and this was his inaugural speech. He said, we have nothing to fear except fear itself. And you've heard that line probably before. Let me give you a little bit more. He said, we have nothing to fear except fear itself, nameless, unreasonable, unjustified terror, which is paralyzing our advance. And he went to speak to the nation and say to them, our problem is not this recession, depression. Our problem is not the class. Our problem is the fear of the future. And he led people through that thing. And just as a side note, he, he really was the man who brought hope back to the nation by addressing fear. And a little side note, you know, when the president is sworn in, he always puts his hand on the Bible. And in every presidential election, they've always put their hand on a closed Bible. Well, he said, I'm not going to do that. He said, I'm going to put my hand on an open Bible. And he said, I want it open to a particular place. And I'm going to put my hand on one verse. And we're going to use this verse. This, this was back when this nation honored God, recognized him, yada, yada, and all that. He said, I'm going to put my hand on one verse. And this is going to be the verse that leads this nation through this difficult time. And the verse he put his hand on to be sworn in as president was 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says this, Now abides faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And he said, we're going to replace fear with hope in this land, and it's going to lead us through this land. And let me tell you something. If God is who he says he is, the only thing you need to be afraid of is fear itself because the storm is certainly not bigger than the king. Let me, let, me, uh, let me throw in one more here. Let me tell you why fear is foolish. Why fear is foolish and faith is reality. I want you to look with me back in Mark chapter four, one more thing. <clears throat> right there in a storm, and it, it is a terrible storm. By the way, these were sailors. Uh, they, you know, these were not ministers. These were, they had a real job. These were sailors. And these guys had to work for a living. They worked on the water. So if they're in a storm and it looks like they're going to die, that means it's a bad storm. This was a bad storm. Don't downplay the difficulty of the storms. It's not to downplay the storms. That's not the issue. It was a terrible storm, but I want you to look at something in Scripture. They're in this terrible storm. They think they're going to die. I want you to look with me in verse 39. He arose. Who's the he right here? Is this not the living God? God arose and spoke to the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Let me tell you why you and I can have faith. It's not because of the promise of God. It is because of the power of the God who makes the promise. 
he had no trouble speaking to their problem and telling it to knock it off, and it did it. We, as this generation in America right now, we have seen so little of the power of God exhibited in this generation because we have become so self-reliant and self-sufficient. One of the things I like about storms is it knocks me out from underneath myself and puts me back on he who has the power to make the promise. The reason you can have faith in the promise of God is because of the power of God to fix the problem. Our faith is not just in his promise, it's in his power. And they're, they're going to die. And all of a sudden, this man, you, you got to understand, me and you got a Bible. They didn't have Bibles. We know more about Jesus than they did. And this guy, that, but they know there's something special about him. They're drawn to the love. They're captured by the miracles. And they're in this boat. We're all going to die. Well, it was great. I'm glad we had a good time with him. Looks like we're going down now. He stands up and he goes, knock it off. And all of a sudden, whoosh, and they go, Mama told me not to mess with this man. What have I gotten involved with here? And it was that demonstration of God's power over the storms in their lives. Do you think their faith was increased when this was over? They came out of that thing saying, it is no secret what God can do. And what he's, I've seen it. Dear ones, I want you to experience the touch of God in your life over your problems so that your faith can not only grow by his word, your faith can grow by experience where you say, he carried me through the last one. I saw his power through that. I've seen what he can do. Our faith is not just in the promise, it's in the power of the one who makes the promise. When you go outside today, I want you to look up. There's a ball burning up there. It's there because he told it to be there. He spoke and said, let there be light. And that thing 92 million miles up there that warms you, it's there because he said so. That's the one who told you, call on me. I will answer you. And our, our, listen, our faith needs to be in the promise of the one who speaks like that. All right, I want to, I'm going to tell you a little story and read one more scripture and then I'm going to let you visit for a while all over the auditorium. I got caught in a storm on a boat one day myself. I'm five years old. I'm at Tweetsie Railroad. Mama puts me and my sister in a little, about five little boats go around around a little tank of water there and I'm in that little boat there. And right before we take off, for some reason, this man I never even knew looked at me and he said, you be careful driving that boat with your sister in there. I, well, I, I never driven a boat in my life, never even ridden in a boat. And had these little steering wheels up there and I'm sitting in the steering wheel, my sister's sitting there. I grabbed that steering wheel, that thing took off and, and we're going and I'm trying my best to drive that thing. And uh, I'm a little nervous because I've never driven before and, and I'm, I'm making sure I'm trying to stay right behind the boat in front of me. I don't know where we was going. I guess we was going around and around. But I, I fear ran all over me. I'm gonna drown my sister. I don't know how to drive a boat. I'm, and even worse than drowning my sister, I'm gonna drown me too, because I'm in here too. And about that time, I remember we, we hit the wall of that boat. I, I said, oh, hang on, hang on. Now I'm about to cry, I've done crashed the wall. And, and I was terrified driving that boat in there that day. Well, you laugh, you know, I was five years old. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know. Finally, it comes to a stop. Whew. Praise God. Mama comes to get us out. The man said, you want to go around again? I said, no, I, I barely got us back this time. No. Well, see, I'm, I'm just, and mama's like, what's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> see, here's the deal. Here's the deal. My understanding was limited. I thought I was in charge. I thought we was going to die. I thought it was all up to me. I had no idea that there was a man I could not see at the controls running the whole thing. I wasn't in charge. Just thought I was. And the truth is, there was no danger whatsoever. If I'd known the truth, the truth would have 
set me free. I could have put my feet up on the dash and sung country music, waved at mama as we went by. And I'm out there trying to make sure we don't get killed. Dear ones, there's going to come a day when this show's going to be over and we all tight as a banjo string trying to drive our lives and make sure we don't get killed. And all of a sudden, somebody's going to step up and say, hi there. And we're going to go, I could have relaxed the whole time. I could have turned loose at a wheel. I could have propped my feet up on the dash and sung country music. And what a, well, sing what a friend we have in Jesus since we're in church today. I could, have, I could have enjoyed the ride if I'd have known that guy's in charge. I mean, who is your God? All right, one verse and I'm done. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's look over at the man nobody can see. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. I want to show you something in the book of Revelation. And revelation is where we get a revelation, which means that God shows you things you can't see any other way. I love the book of Revelation because it's where God in his kindness, he just opens the future to us. He shows us the beauty of Christ like he really is. He, he shows you world history in the book of Revelation if you've got a heart to read it. But one of the, let me show you, a lot of people point out the great things in the Revelation. I'm going to show you one of the greatest things in the book of Revelation. And uh, he starts out in the book of Revelation. He shows him Jesus. He shows him world history right up to this day in chapters 2 and 3. And then he shifts gears in chapter 4. And I want you, now this is John. He was one of the disciples. By the way, he was in that boat that day. This is 60 years later. He's exiled on an island for loving Jesus. And Jesus shows up himself and says, I'm going to show you the future. I want you to write it down. And one day, 2,000 years from now, some guy will be standing in Burlington reading what you're writing right now. And it's for all of the world to know the future. And here's what he shows in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice I heard was like a trumpet saying, come up here and I will show you things. What's that? He gave him an invitation to come right up into the heaven of God. And he said, come up here. I want to show you some things nobody else can see. I'm going to give you a revelation. All right, you get invited up into the spirit realm, up into, up into the very heaven of God. What do you think you'd see up there? Look at the first thing he saw. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a what? A throne set in heaven and one set on the throne. Somebody sitting on the throne and somebody's running this place. And just because you and I can't see him and we don't understand a lot of things, I'm going to tell you something. You can turn loose of the wheel and say, he will get me there. I'm going to tell you something. There, you know what throne means, don't you? Somebody is large and in charge. Psalm 118 says this, and I love this. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. The Lord reigns in the affairs of men. Good night, Lord Jesus. Since you neither slumber nor sleep, I'm going to bed and sleeping like a baby. Listen, I know you can do it when things are going good. Real fun, real fun is when your faith grows to the place to where the storm is howling, everybody's screaming, we're going to die, and you just find you a pillow and go to the stern of the boat and take you a nap. God, this is good preaching. I mean, this is fun. This is fun right here. Dear ones, there is a place. Somebody should write a song that goes like this. Richie, somebody write a song like this. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You've heard the truth of God this morning about fear. We have nothing to fear if God is who he says he is except fear itself. So let's do this. Let's grow our faith and reach the place to where we fear not.
And let's let our faith crush our fear so that we can stand in the middle of the storm and holler, what a friend we have in Jesus. Let me get my stuff together because we are fixing to get to the other side. This applies to everything. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you so much. It's, it, your grace is so sufficient. It is so good. And yet you are a faith God who operates by faith and call your people to walk in faith. Your word is so clear. The just shall live by faith. And I, I hear you when you say that. I mean the just will really live by faith. And there, there's nothing that faith in you cannot do. I give you the praise and glory and honor. Now, Father, I want to pray for all my friends and my family out there, part of the family of God here. I praise you and thank you. We're in, all of us are in different storms. Some of us got family crises, health crises. Our nation's going through a crisis right now. I thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I praise you that you proved in that passage even if the storm is terrifying, I can speak to it and stop it in an instant. And I pray that your word will ignite faith in the hearts of people. I, in Jesus' name, don't let one person ever say to you, do you not care? Lord Jesus, impress on people's hearts. If the God of this universe will nail his son to a cross to help you, he will pay your power bill. He will protect your family. He will go after your children and get them when you can't. He will carry you through to the other side. I praise you and thank you. He who spared not his own son, how will he not freely give us everything else? Put us in your word. I'm sorry, I asked you to put us in your word. That's not your business. We will put ourselves in your word and your word will be our food for faith. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray, amen. I want to say again, I miss you. I love you. Can't wait till we're all back together again. But it doesn't matter where we are geographically, where you is, Jesus is. That's not good language, but that's good preaching right there. And he'll take care of you till I see you again. God bless you. I pray for you every day and look forward to your smiling face sitting right in front of me so I can fuss at you in person. God bless you. <laughs>